The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Coming up after 10.15, we're going to talk about uh, living with, coping with a mentally ill partner and uh, the difficult conversation, the difficult discussion about breaking up with someone who is struggling with a mental health issue. This uh, this topic was triggered by a uh, an email that we received last week, and I, th- I thought we could should spend a bit more time discussing this uh, this very important topic. But first, time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion at 514-800. You can always email me your questions to laurie at drlaurie.com. So this one was left over on the text board. I've been with my wife for 15 plus years. She keeps telling me about how many people think she looks so much younger than her age. I don't really agree. I do think she looks great, but should I just say, yeah, baby, you look 29? How about just saying you look great? Just simply that. Don't challenge what she says. She's maybe fishing for a compliment. Maybe she needs to hear it more from you, how great she looks. But um, that's that's about it. It's like somebody who says, uh, do I look fat in these jeans? You don't say, yeah, baby, you look fat. Uh, you find another way saying, well, they're not my favorite jeans on you. I, I, I like the other ones better uh, without quite saying uh, saying that. So just tell her she looks great. You think she looks great? Tell her she looks great. How is it possible to begin a love relationship during COVID-19 red zone without risk? It's not possible to have a physical relationship without any risk at all. That's like saying uh, having a sexual relationship with someone brings you zero risk of sexually transmitted infection. No, the only way to have risk-free anything is completely abstained. Same with uh, COVID, but everybody assesses their own level of risk. So the advantage though, think about it this way, and I've talked to a few people who are dating, uh, who are finding this actually um, an interesting time to get to know somebody on another level. So instead of meeting, they set up, Uh, virtual dates where they can at least see each other and where there's eye contact and where you can see the mannerisms and you get a feel for the person. And I think you can click or maybe not click at all uh, from that initial, uh, from from getting to know somebody uh, virtually. So that is the best way to go right now. Take the opportunity uh, to do this. That doesn't mean, I mean, according to the guidelines, if you are a a single person, you're allowed to have one visitor. The only thing is you have to make, you have to keep them limited. So if you're going to date and you're going to have uh, a merry-go-round of of visitors, I don't think that's what, um, you know, that's, (laughs) that was the intention there. So be aware what the risks are. You have to ask specific questions like and and these are they're not STI questions although those should be asked too they're more about somebody's exposure um so you might want to ask somebody do they have they dated other people uh have they been in in physical contact with others do they work in an environment where they're they're potentially exposed to covid maybe they're a healthcare worker or something like that so you want to know about their habits 
their living habits to see, uh, to assess for yourself the potential risk that, uh, that, that you're putting yourself uh, under. The other thing too is kissing is probably the most risky uh, behavior for catching COVID because you're exchanging um, saliva and, and we know that COVID is, is in the saliva and um, so there you go and they get absorbed by the mucous membranes so that would, uh, that would put you at risk as well. So there's no risk-free way unless both of you have been tested and then have had, you know, quarantined uh, before and after testing and then got together. So, but to, you know, to do that, like you've got to trust a certain level of trust, I would assume of the other person, um, as well and, and their habits. So can you really know that with somebody you just, just met? So there's something like that. There's something to think about, uh, there it's complicated. It's not pleasant, uh, but maybe work around there and find creative ways to, um, to meet, and maybe not in person. What's wrong with a white lie to make someone smile? Yeah, those are the little white lies that are fine, uh, I guess, right? Uh, for sure. Merry go round of visitors, LMAO. Love it. Have to remember that one. Yes, we don't want a merry go round of uh, visitors. Here's an email I got. Just a message to say how much we enjoyed Friday's show. Seemed to be more interactive than most other Fridays and the subjects were great. Bravo. The poem you read had both my wife and I laughing our butts off in bed and my wife recalled catching her parents doing the naughty bent over the kitchen table. She was five or six. My wife loves the passion poet and, and a big fan and when the poet writes poems like Fridays it's hard not to to laugh. He should write more funny poems and not so much ones we have to think about. <laughs> there you go. Message to the passion poet. Uh, our Christmas shopping is all done and we are very happy about that. Lights went up and Saturday we, the 21st we'll put up our tree and play some Christmas music doing it. Uh, my wife's parents still live with us so we are going to try and get into the Christmas spirit a little earlier this year. We are taking your advice and doing things that change things in our lives in a positive way. We are hoping and praying that Christmas uh, will be better than Thanksgiving. I hope others are as inspired by you as we are by getting shopping done early and get into a more festive mood in a not-so-festive time. I guess you were making a comment. I'd made a comment uh, probably a month ago that most of my holiday shopping was done. I got you know, I had nothing else to do but shop online for some time, so it was easy to get all of that done. Not that I didn't have anything else to do, but it was a good time um, to do that with the extra time on my hands considering I am no longer commuting uh, so much, right? I'm sure other people probably feel the same way. All right, I'm 19-year-old girl. I was sexually assaulted when I was 15. It was an ex-boyfriend who didn't have a clear idea of what consent means. I was terribly scared of being pregnant. Since then, I've tried to regain confidence in men. Now I'm in a really great relationship, but I'm thinking of having sex with him, but I don't know how to protect myself and also how to prepare myself mentally because every activity that includes his sperm anywhere near me makes me want to cry. It's so frustrating because I really, really want to have sex with him. He makes me feel loved and safe, and if I could just could find some orientation, I would be very happy. My questions are, 
you can only get pregnant if he ejaculates near and in my vagina, correct? Could it happen when we have our clothes on? What would be the best method to prevent it? Should I take pills or injections? Thanks uh, for your show. I find it very helpful. I don't feel afraid to talk about my worries here. Well, thank you very much. Uh, So first of all, it's normal to have these feelings, especially following a traumatic sexual experience. So feeling safe, asking your partner to be patient and compassionate and not pressure you to do things you're not ready to do is really, really important. Uh, You're also right about uh, pregnancy. Um, That can occur if your partner ejaculates into Mm. your vagina. If he ejaculates at the opening of your vagina, that could potentially uh, cause a pregnancy, but that is really uh, quite rare. It cannot happen with your clothes on. Your best bet to prevent pregnancy, which is your fear right now, is to go either on the birth control pill or always use a condom, which also answers the other question in terms of the um, you know, the, the ick factor for you for, uh, the sperm, I would say you should see your doctor to discuss all the different methods of birth control that are available to you and seek some professional counseling with a sexual assault center, a youth clinic where you can talk about the, the trauma and, uh, and get past this. A lot of people need, uh, need help just coping with this and, um, which can be very difficult and can obviously have an impact on your relationships. Uh, Coming up, we'll talk about coping with a mentally ill um, partner and making the difficult decision to potentially uh, break up. That's next. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. So we're going to talk about a rather difficult uh, subject, but one that needs to be discussed and anything to do with mental health and mental illness, we should be talking about far more, uh, just even to destigmatize it. And tomorrow, actually, I'll be talking with Andrew Carter in the morning, talking about how um, we are... uh, that COVID has created uh, or helped to destigmatize mental health issues because so many people t- in, in these times are in fact uh, suffering with anxiety and depression and other kinds of mental illnesses that have been triggered by the isolation and all the other issues that have come about uh, during uh, during the pandemic. But I want to read you part of an email. I read it last week. Uh, This is what prompted me to do this particular show. It's heart-wrenching, really. This is a heart-wrenching topic, so I'm just just warning you. Uh, It's a trigger warning here for anybody dealing with this. It will not be easy for you to to listen uh, to to a lot of what we're going to talk about tonight. I was married for 17 years, but my husband developed a mental problem that led to our divorce. I love him still and stood by him, and in most part, I still do. He was a gentle, kind man, rarely raised his voice, but it changed sometime in the 12th year. He was diagnosed with intermittent explosive disorder. At first, therapy and medication helped, but it was short-lived. I tried. I really tried, but I was being beaten and sometimes feared for my life. I know it is not who he is, but he became unpredictable, and I'm not going to get into detail but I had to protect myself and my children. I could have had him arrested countless times, but he needed help, not handcuffs. He did not 
fight our divorce at all. He knew and the kids had to stop living like we were. I still love my ex-husband and I'm supporting him a little financially, but it is a different kind of love now. To me, that is, that is heart-wrenching and it's a heart-wrenching decision uh, to have to make. So I want to talk a little bit about how you get to that point and how, um, and, and maybe we can also talk about ways of, uh, of coping with a, a mental illness. And let me just say right here that you, you can have perfectly healthy, happy marriages, even if one partner is suffering from a mental illness, but there are certain things like this woman described where, uh, you have to protect yourself. Uh, and so we'll, we'll talk about that. The other thing that came to mind too, when I was, um, thinking about this, uh, this topic a little bit more is all the movies. I started doing a search on films that deal with mental health issues. A lot of the, a lot of rom-coms, a lot of, um, well, they're not really comedies, but, um, some of them actually, there are some that are, are, uh, more humorous, uh, dealing with, uh, with mental health issues, but there's a lot. And the one that sticks out in my mind is, uh, Silver Linings Playbook. If you haven't seen it, you must see this one. It's with Bradley Cooper and it's about someone who has suffered with, uh, who suffered with bipolar disorder and you see the, his relationship and the destruction uh, that it plays on the, on his relationship. But other movies that I like too, uh, Pollock, which is about the life of the artist, uh, Jackson Pollock with Ed Harris. I happen to love Ed Harris, anything he's in I'll watch, but, um, you know, oftentimes we, there are, there's historical, uh, evidence of, uh, famous artists who suffered from mental illnesses. There's mad love with Drew Barrymore. There's an older one from 1992 with Sarah Jessica Parker in the best interests of, of the children. There's the story of Vincent van Gogh and his brothers called Vincent and Theo, um, there's, uh, Black Swan with Natalie Portman. There's uh, girl interrupted with Angelina Jolie. There's the Joker talking about like, like that's a serious, um, uh, like psychopathy there, uh, American beauty, a funny one was what about Bob? There's uh, a star is born. It's about addiction. So there are hundreds of these, um, movies actually, uh, very interesting to, to see them depicted. Some do it better than others. And there was one I was trying to figure out and I can't find the name of the movie. If you can let me know, but it's about a woman who goes through by, she's bipolar. And when she's high or when she's good, she's really, really good. And she's dating and she's doing great. But when she's low, she gets really low. And then her, each relationship falls apart and it's a, a series of her um relationships basically and you see uh, you see the evolution and I thought it was great super well depicted but I cannot for the life of me remember the name or remember the young actress that played in it even though I could see it whatever so uh if anybody can think of it uh let me know and we can um have you look at this to, you know maybe you can uh, watch it on on Netflix so the whole issue about ending a relationship, regardless whether no in in no matter what situation you're in, it's a hard enough decision. But when your partner 
is mentally ill or suffers from a a mental illness, the guilt that a person can feel or the feeling like they're such a bad person for breaking up with a partner because because of something that is not in their control and causes them suffering must be one of the hardest decisions to make. But if you're afraid that um, sometimes people stay in these relationships because they're afraid that the, the partner's condition will worsen also if they leave. So that can be also um, scary. Obviously, just the fact that somebody has a, a mental illness is not enough to just break up with somebody. Lots of people with mental health conditions and I, was, I can't tell you the the numbers of people, the millions of people who are an, on antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication. I mean, it's a, it's a lot. Um, of course, are able to enjoy uh, great relationships, long-term relationships, happy uh, relationships. So it can't just be about the condition itself. It's the impact of that condition on um, uh, on the relationship. Some, is it modern love? I think it is. I think that might be it. I'm going to look it up during the break and see if that's, uh, if that's the story. But otherwise, it was a really good movie. So the question is, and you might ask yourself, when? Like, when do you break up with someone who has um, a mental illness? I would say that I'm sure you start to worry when the symptoms that your partner is exhibiting are getting in the way of your day-to-day living. And especially, as in this person who wrote, your safety is compromised. That is very, very important. And some of these flags to look out for, which could be a result of the mental illness, like that this person wrote, is violence, whether it's verbal, physical, sexual violence, uh, someone who has an inability to control their emotions, if they're having um, hallucinations and and paranoid hallucinations, if they show uh, disrespect, like that's not okay at any time, right? It doesn't matter what condition. Um, If they uh, show lack of remorse or empathy to towards uh, people, if they show excessive like narcissistic behaviors, you cannot ignore these things. I mean, you might try for a bit, but eventually they, uh, it just catches up because if it doesn't get any better, uh, at some point it wears you down. Now I know of another situation where, again, this was a a pretty um, severe bipolar disorder, but when the person was on their, in a manic phase, they would do all kinds of impulsive things like big purchases and cheating behavior and all kinds of stuff, which of course is going to impact the marriage. Uh, There's no question about that. So, um, those are serious, uh, serious things to uh, consider that would lead one to uh, think about ending uh, a relationship. Another texter writes, the burning bed with Farrah Fawcett. Oh yes, but she was, um, I, 
was that the one um, it first aired, came with a warning before the movie started and after commercial breaks? I don't remember if that was the one. No, the one I was thinking, I was sleeping with The Stranger. That was another one, but I don't remember seeing that one. Uh, so there are a lot. Like if you just Google movies about uh, mental illness, you will see tons from many years ago to uh, very, very recently. And to me, one of my favorites, favorites, well, one of the ones I thought was really depicted well was Silver Linings Playbook with Bradley Cooper. If you haven't seen that one, it really drives this home, how difficult it can be uh, in a relationship. And of course it talks about the love you feel for your partner and all of that. Like the, as the first, the person wrote in, you don't stop loving your partner, but somewhere along the way, you make a decision to um, protect yourself. Your safety and that of your children has to come first. None of those violent behaviors should ever be tolerated uh, in any way. So obviously, if you're in that kind of relationship and it happens on a regular basis, this makes you you're not going to be in a happy space or in a happy relationship. And what do people do when they're unhappy for a long time? They uh, split up. It's just harder in this situation because of the guilt that you might feel because a mental illness is not, you know, we, we kind of vow, right, to stay with our partner uh, when you make those marriage vows through sickness and health and um <laughs> But you don't count on the sickness having a direct and potentially dangerous impact on yourself physically or even on your own mental health. Like what happens when you have two people who might suffer from a mental uh, illness or, or some condition and how it can trigger that as well? We'll, we'll talk a little bit um, about that and how one can go about um, maybe leaving a relationship, but because depression and anxiety is so rampant in our society, it could actually make your own condition worse. And you're not in the best position to be able to help your partner. So we'll talk a little bit about, uh, about that tips on uh, how you can, uh, break up and how you can set limits as well with a partner, uh, who is, uh, difficult and when to consider divorcing. That's coming up after we check in with our CJ 800 newsroom. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. From the pleasure and the politics to the hangups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Tonight we're talking about coping and sometimes leaving a partner who has a mental health issue. Again, we were talking about the conditions where that might be uh, the case depending on their behavior. And I want to just reiterate, just because somebody has suffers from a mental health issue or a mental illness does not mean they can't be in a happy, healthy relationship. We're talking about extreme cases and uh, the ones that really impact the relationship. And I just want to share a few texts on this. Interesting subject. Everyone has a different limit, but once it gets to the point that you are walking on eggshells or scared to make a mistake and nothing is helping, 
time to throw in the towel. Uh, I doubt anybody has the conversation when they get into a relationship about if they would stay together if something bad happened to the other person. And I guess each thing, like you ask somebody, you know, would you leave if your partner got cancer? Um, which is a very different, uh, maybe thing to consider. It's just such a, it's such a, it's a horrible <laughs> position for somebody to be in, especially when you're talking about something that a person can't control, but they can, you know, they can certainly get, get some help, but the consequences are different to the safety of the person, um, as well. I have a good friend who suffers from accelerated rage. I have been a victim of an attack. Also still a close friend. He is married to a wonderful woman. I often wonder if she has been a victim as well. The sad part is I could never address this to one or the the other. And I wonder what, I guess, yes, it's difficult to, it's a difficult topic, uh, to bring up for sure. Uh, the person, somebody else texted in with modern love. That's the movie I was talking about. So that, that was a, what, uh, I think a 2020, this movie it's on, available on Netflix. It's really, really good. It's uh, nine different love stories, uh, but it's very good. Uh, in burning bed after getting little to no help, that's the movie with Farrah Fawcett, she ends up murdering her husband and court found her not guilty justify, of justifiable homicide. It was based on a true story. But this is a, a situation where you have a partner who is physically abusive. Sometimes, I mean, yes, you could say that anybody who has that kind of rage has a mental illness, but here's a, a, another good example of how you need to get away and protect yourself. Uh, I think some people can get into very abusive relationships and for whatever reason, get used to the abuse. And it takes an outside source like your show to realize that you're in danger and not, not at all living the life you want, which is sad because we only have that one life to live. And I know a lot of people will stay in bad situations out of fear, um, to, uh, to protect the kids. I remember hearing one woman say she waited to till her children were out of the house because she was afraid of leaving her kids like every second weekend with a father who raged. Uh, so to protect her kids, she tolerated and tried to, um, you know, walking, walking on eggshells for sure, but she, at least she was there to be able to protect her kids. I mean, I mean, I hear stories like this all, uh, all the time. Oh my God, Lori, coincidentally, you're right on topic as I just came from a support group discussing precisely such an issue of dealing with loved ones with mental illness. Several years ago, I've been in a relationship with someone suffering from severe mental illness. And after three years of intensive struggling, I was obliged to finally walk away, which was devastating, especially due to the guilt. Exactly what we're talking about tonight. Furthermore, I'm presently dealing with a sibling who suffers from bipolar, schizoaffective, and narcissistic personality disorder, rendering him very aggressive, threatening, and abusive towards both myself and my elderly mom, who also suffers from mental illness and enables the situation, placing myself and her at risk. And both are way past reason. Unfortunately, reason is not 
the way to go, right? There's, there's no reasoning when somebody doesn't recognize the impact of their behavior or they don't accept that they have an illness and go, goes to get help. And I think oftentimes, uh, people who leave a situation, it might be because the person refuses to get help or the help they get is ineffective or the, the behavior kind of continues. Regardless, divorcing a partner, a spouse who has a mental illness is, I'm sure, always a painful and complex decision. There's a lot of pressure. There's guilt in making um, that decision, right? Especially when we think of the vows that we made in sickness and in health. Now, a woman wrote a book called The Marriage of Equals. Uh, her name is uh, Dr. Catherine Apont, and she has some uh, suggestions. She suggests if you ever find yourself in uh, this situation, she says, give yourself the time you need to make the decision to end your marriage. Talk with trusted others and professionals. A legal separation may address concerns you have with breaking your marriage vows. Recognize the process of divorcing a mentally ill spouse will take time. Consider how to help your spouse to be self-sufficient. Create a parenting plan for your children that keeps your spouse involved in the way that is safe and feasible. Don't hold your spouse's condition against him or her to penalize him or her and leave without anger or resentment. I think that's an important piece. And the woman who wrote in, that's exactly, she had to make this difficult decision. She made it out of love, (laughs) love and protection of her kids for herself. She never stopped loving her partner. She did not leave because she was angry and resentful. She left because she needed to. And her partner understood that even though he could not control his rage and he, and you know, he had this diagnosis that he, when he was calmer, he understood that she had to protect herself and the kids and so did not fight the divorce. Is that always the case? Um, I would say probably not. That's the best case scenario in a situation like that. I know someone, this texter writes that caused their partner an injury that gave him brain damage. And now the parents are trying to sue her. He understood why they couldn't stay together, but not, uh, his parents, That's again, you know, a very, uh, tough situation, uh, where you can certainly understand if you're suffering any form of physical abuse, that that is, uh, for most, uh, would be a deal breaker for many. Unfortunately, they can suffer many years like this before, uh, they actually leave. So uh, there are behaviors that should never be, um, tolerated violent or destructive behaviors should never be tolerated, even if they are part of the mental illness. We're talking about physical abuse and clear emotional abuse or sexual abuse or destruction of property, um, talking about, uh, severely, uh, controlling, uh, behaviors, um, 
drug use maybe or a financial mismanagement i've seen this situation where a partner goes on crazy spending sprees and puts the family into incredible uh, debt. I mean, these are all, they could all be things related to somebody's, um, mental illness, but it's also really important to set limits. What does it mean to set limits? And like when you're dealing with children and you set a limit, there has to be a consequence. If I set a boundary, you cross the boundary, there's a consequence to that. And the follow through is very important. So coming up, we'll talk about the kinds of limits that we, uh, we need to set in a situation when you're being affected, um, in a, in a unhealthy way by your partner's, uh, mental health condition. Passion with Dr. Lori Batido on CJAD 800. Tonight, we're talking about the difficult situation of living with a partner who's mentally ill, whose behavior is causing an enormous uh, disruption to the family, to you, to your own mental health that is uh, violent, destructive, and things like that. I Again, reiterating that uh, plenty of people can have mental health conditions, illnesses, and they live in healthy, uh, long-term uh, relationships. This is really on the extreme, uh, the extreme cases where uh, the whole, the couple is completely disrupted by uh, dangerous, oftentimes dangerous um, behaviors. Uh, just a texter writes, and I had a friend that was extremely loud and aggressive at work and I used to let him take it out on me and I feel guilty because when I left the department within months, he was diagnosed as being schizophrenic. I felt like it was my fault. I wasn't there to keep him sane. You can't keep anybody, uh, sane, so to speak. It's not your job to be someone's keeper or therapist, especially if you're dealing with a diagnosis of schizophrenia, there's nothing that you could have done any, uh, any differently. And then to be the one that he used to take it out on and, and, and you used to take it. So others wouldn't have to suffer that. Uh, that's a lot on one person's shoulders, clearly quite strong, but if you you know, what if you had, you yourself had suffered from, uh, some anxiety or depression or something that it would have triggered even more in you. And that's not a healthy situation for anybody to be, be in and even at work. So I'm here, we're talking about love relationships, which again, even more complex and even a, a much tougher decision if you have to leave. So there's a great website. You may want to check it out. It's, uh, it's called the, the British Columbia mental health, um, website. And it's, uh, it's actually excellent. It has some really, really good information, but I want to share, uh, some other texts here. I'd like to point out in describing mental illness and divorce, the majority of the cases are described as the culprit being male when in fact females are at fault. I doubt someone could come up with a movie describing this type of behavior, but I assure you it's real. 
Well, in the, um, it's not true because it could be men or women. Maybe in the case, in the examples I have given you, it has been in, in the particular case that prompted this show, it was uh, a male, um, partner, but it can just as easily be the female who is disruptive and violent and abusive and all of that. I've, I've seen that just as often, uh, actually. So, and there are plenty of movies where that is actually the case. So the movie Modern Love is about, uh, in, in one of the stories there is a woman who suffers from bipolar disorder and how disruptive it is. Now, I don't think she wasn't violent, but it was uh, quite disrupt- disruptive. So there are, there are movies made with women who have mental health issues and uh, in relationships. Uh, and another text writes, and an alcoholic parent who can become violent and abusive, totally different personality when drunk and... Uh, God forbid my sister should come in after curfew. I can recall several times I redirected his anger at me to protect my sister. I love my dad. He was a good dad, good provider. But when drinking, I hated him. And alcoholism can cause mental issues. There's no doubt about it. It's, uh, again, it it isn't a disease. It is an issue. And if somebody has to live with and not knowing when a a parent or a partner is going to drink and, and the result it being, um, aggression and violence. Again, I come back to protecting yourself and the children I think is, is paramount. So when you, um, set limits where you're setting limits for behaviors that are destructive and severely, um, disruptive, like the ones we've been uh, talking about, like any form of, uh, of abuse in that way that maybe, um, or behaviors that maybe you have tried to tolerate, but, uh, you have not been able to. And so you come to this, um, you know, you start to set limits and then when that's not, Uh, followed through, well then, or the person doesn't follow through, uh, on their promises, let's say, or on, on healing or whatever it it is, uh, then you come to the conclusion that you must leave in order to protect yourself. But, uh, of course it, it's not always easy setting your limits because it can trigger emotional reactions, uh, in us to, to do that in terms of anger or, or sadness at having to set, uh, such limits, feeling like you're a, a parent instead of a, um, a partner. But one thing, and this is what, what I told the, the person about, uh, who had a, a coworker, you cannot expect to be able to control a spouse's behavior. That is a completely unrealistic expectation and you will just feel defeated and angry and, um, frustrated. So, uh, keep that in mind. I think, uh, picking consequences also, uh, to protect yourself and, or your children and letting your partner know, for example, uh, you might say, uh, you know, if you go off your medication, either you have to leave or, um, or I will leave something like that, uh, and that they can come back only when they, there's proof that they're on it or that they've gone, uh, for help or continued with their, um, with their psychiatrist or psychologist or what, what have you. So it's very important to 
and as hard as it is, especially if you say, okay, if this happens, I will leave, then you need to follow through on that as hard as it is. And I think having these conversations in a moment of calm, not in a moment when your partner is uh, raging or has some kind of episode, uh, you, it, it, when that person is in a calm state, it's time to have the conversation, letting them know what behaviors are um, intolerable and what the consequences uh, will be and that you're doing this to protect yourself. And that's what you have to emphasize that I can't control your behavior, but I need to control what happens uh, to me and to um, the kids. I think it's one of the most difficult things you'll probably uh, have to do. Um, and it's, of course, as you can see, a very complex situation because oftentimes you still love your partner, but the feeling that you need to um, protect yourself. I grew up with two abusive alcoholic parents. I lived my life with no self-esteem. And there's an example of the consequence family. I mean, here you didn't even have anybody to protect you, nobody. So when you live with two parents, um, what do you need as a kid? Kids need to feel secure. They need to feel safe. They need to feel like somebody's got their back. But when you have two parents who don't, who are unpredictable in their uh, behaviors and are basically unavailable, alcoholics are not available to emotionally or uh, for the needs of their children, uh, how else do you develop that sense of trust in yourself, trust in the world? Uh, so there's unfortunately the impact, it, it goes deep and it carries far. That's the, uh, the reality. Uh, kudos to Dr. Lori for taking on a difficult subject. Yes, it is a very difficult uh, subject. There's no doubt about it, but sometimes somebody's got to talk about this and we don't talk about it enough. We don't actually talk about mental health issues enough and, uh, we're talking about it more. And maybe that's the, the silver lining. If you, I'm always trying to find the silver linings and things, but the silver lining in, in this pandemic is that not that people are getting, uh, are developing mental health issues, but that we're at least talking about it. People are opening up about it. People are talking to other people about it. People are, are less, feel less shame in terms of saying, I'm not doing so well. Like this isolation is killing me. This is, I'm, I'm suffering a lot of anxiety. I think so many people are relating that people feel far more, far less isolated in that way and, and far less shame, um, around these kinds of feelings. So in on one sense, it's done good in that way, take, taking it out of the, uh, taking it out of the closet. So thank you for, uh, listening to this most difficult, uh, subject tonight. Of course, you know, you can always email me anytime to Lori at drlori.com. If you have a situation you want to talk out or a relationship issue, or you want, uh, some help, you can send them to me. And I answer your questions at the beginning of every show. Thanks to our technical producer, Dave Simon tonight. You can connect with me, uh, on social media at Dr. Lori Batito, or go straight to my website, drlori.com, where you can also find all the podcasts of past shows 
shows here or you can go to the iHeart app if you've got that download it it's great you get all your uh, music and your talk shows and everything and if you go on the CJD page you will find all the podcasts listed there as well coming up next year on CJD we bring you the CTV national news have a great rest of the evening stay safe and remember to live your life with passion <music>